I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Penn State got a blowout win over a MAC opponent during a beautiful day in Happy Valley with 105,000 people watching. All's right with the world. We are here in September with Penn State playing in front of fans again. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr, here on the BWI Live postgame show. Penn State wins 44-13 to over Ball State. And I'm going to be honest... That last five minutes could have been put in an email. I mean, <laughs> calling a timeout with two seconds left. I understand it's a teaching moment. You want to make sure your kids know you're fighting all the way to the very end. But like, ah. Anyway, we'll get through the game. We're going to be taking your questions here on the BWI Live postgame show. If you want to throw them in the chat, I'll be answering those questions and getting some breakdown, some analysis of what went on in the game. Uh, the obvious thing to start with, 250. Uh, 230 yards passing for Sean Clifford on the day, 21 of 29. So an efficient day so far uh, and a, a day that has been, uh, you know, I think okay as far as his ability to get the ball down the field. Uh, and once again, if you want to get any questions in, uh, throw them in the chat and we'll get your questions answered about what happened during the game. But for the most part, this is kind of what we expected when it came to what Ball State was going to try and do. Their, their strength of their team is the secondary and their ability to play uh, certain coverages and to be able to prevent the deep shot. And you saw that. That was what this game was about. Then it became about, can you make Sean Clifford make enough good decisions with the ball in his hands and can the offensive line make enough plays in the running game to open up holes? Because... One of the things that studying them on film that I didn't think Ball State was going to get away with was playing with just three people on the line of scrimmage, literally. Not, not, not uh, a linebacker walking up to the line of scrimmage, not uh, you know, a guy who fills in later five down with two linebackers and they're, you know, none of that. They literally lined up some of these plays with three linemen versus five. And you know, for the most part, Penn State took advantage of it. That's what y you get when you have 240 yards rushing. Now, a lot of that, uh, some of that did come from Sean Clifford, uh, but it was a, a good effort so far by the Penn State offensive line. Still some work in progress there. Uh, th there were still a couple of uh, run assignments that weren't really hit, especially on the backside of some of those zone runs. I thought Juice Scruggs could have played better at times. But in general, if you rush for 240 yards, you had a good day. If you throw for 230 yards and you're as efficient to only miss eight passes, that is also a good day. So a lot of good things coming out of this game for Penn State. Their offense had multiple drives of 10-plus plays. I'm going to pull it up now because uh, it's a it's very different from last week. And this is kind of what you were hoping for going into this game of can you string together drives or were you going to make enough mistakes and keep Ball State in the game? And early on, Penn State showed that they were not messing around. Uh, a 13-play drive landed in a touchdown. An 8-play drive. Ended in a touchdown. A 10-play drive uh, fizzles out, you know, close to the, you know, in the 
should have cut, probably gotten in the end zone, but they said they get a field goal there. After one three and out where some of those problems and hiccups did come up again, they get another touchdown on the board. And, and that was really the story of the game for Penn State football was that first half and the efficiency to put the ball into the end zone and to, and to put all of those plays together. They showed that they could make those efficient throws underneath, make the defense pay for giving you what they were giving you. Uh, and uh, Nick over here in the chat of bringing up what we talked about today as well. Seems like two high safeties. All day was the reason for no long shots. Like Sean what, uh, did what he did, not trying to force anything. Yes, I'll agree with you there, Nick. I do think that there was some of that. There was some of that efficiency. But when he did throw the ball down the field, and th this, is, this is kind of where I was in this game. You've got Ball State. They're a good secondary. They've got some good football players. But it's not like there weren't plays to be had. And if there's one critique I think we can come away with for Sean Clifford the last two games, it's that his deep ball is still not all that accurate. Uh, the underthrow to Jahan Dotson again. This time, Jahan wasn't able to make a play on the ball. It was a, it was a pass breakup by the Ball State defender. Um, the Keandre Lambert-Smith pass, two of them in this game so far. Uh, the go ball down the sideline where he couldn't fit it in that window between the sideline and the player. That's a hard throw, but that's one that you, you've got to hit one of those. And then, of course, the Keandre Lambert-Smith where he's stepping up in the pocket and he misses uh, on that corner route. Those are the three that I think of when I think of the guy. The, the ones he should have had at least one of those. That's, to me, where if you want to have some critiques about Sean Clifford and his ability to be more than just the game manager, be more than the guy that throws the tunnel screen to Jahan Dotson and then Dotson goes 40 yards for a touchdown. That's that's kind of the next step for him. And so far, inconsistent with that deep ball, but a good performance. You add in the rushing on the ground, you know, with the, with the keeper and the read option. It was a good day for uh, Sean Clifford and for the offense. This is one of those interesting situations where, uh, you know, I, I didn't think it was a clean game overall, in some areas, but Penn State was able to, um, you know, put together enough good plays and some fun stuff in the first half. So one of the things coming into this year that you were probably hoping for is a little more creativity. You've got some unique pieces on this offense. You've got a deep stable of running backs. You've got some tight ends that you can play with, that, that you 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 want to get as many of those guys on the field as possible, and you have some questions at receiver. So what did we see today? Three tight end sets. The ability to flex them into certain positions, have one guy in the slot. Uh, they did a couple, of this a couple times with this of Tyler Warren where he was lined up in the slot and came across as a crack blocker to the front side of the play where you already had your two other tight ends, Theo Johnson, Bretton Strange. I like some of the stuff that they're doing on offense with the creativity. But once you got beyond those scripted plays, and once Ball State saw those wrinkles, they were able to adjust, and and there was, you know, th that's when you've got to just play straight up, right? You've got to hit those deep shots, and you got to be able to, m you know, make them pay whenever they made a mistake. And for the most part, Penn State was able to power five them. They were able to, when they had uh, the field side, you had the long side of the field, and there was only... There was one time there was literally four players near the line of scrimmage for Ball State. That's how much they didn't want Jahan Dotson to have 200 yards receiving in this game. Then you just give the ball to Noah Kane. And that's what this game was. A lot of dink and dunk, a lot of, a lot of take your time, matriculate the ball down the field. And that is what it was on the defensive side as well. 
Um, the 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 question then becomes on the defensive side of the ball. What were you going to do against this this ball state offense? And and I wanna I wanna put this up because I thought the Penn State defense once again played really well. We have uh, Matthew over here who says the D balled out again. Yes, they did. Uh, there are a couple of drives where I thought that they they had uh, some communication breakdowns, but I want to throw this up because this kind of encapsulates what I was seeing on those drives, especially late at the second half. Um, you know, in the, in the second quarter when they're going into halftime. Here are the key targeted players who busted their zones on that final drive. Jesse Lucetta, who is now officially a defensive end. Uh, Nick Tarburton playing in the flat. Again, a defensive end. Marquise Wilson on uh, the next play playing at corner. And then Tyler Rudolph and Wilson exchanging their, their zone coverages. They got behind uh, the secondary and Drew Plitt was able to hit a guy for 25 yards. Other than that, Penn State's secondary, Penn State's defense, they played a phenomenal game. So that, to me, is one of those situations where you're very happy coming out of this because the starting defense pretty much pitched a shutout against a good team. And if you look on the other side of the ball, the game plan for what Ball State wanted to do is pretty simple. You want to attack the underneath zone for Penn State, like I just showed you. Find the weaknesses. Find the players Jesse Lucetta playing middle linebacker in the first half. Maybe you're you're gonna. So when you have um, when you have that situation where you don't have a quarterback that can push the ball down the field, you're not set up to really win a football game unless everything breaks your way. So again, 25-39, 176 yards. He had 25 completions for 176 yards. That's not great. Um, so here's another question coming in the chat. And by the way, we're doing something here on... Uh, on um, uh, the BWI live post game show where we're talking to you directly as the fan. If you want to, we're enabling something on YouTube called super chats. And if you want to get your question in, you want to get your question answered. You want to be like Tom and you want to give uh, your, your question you want to get on air. All you have to do if you feel like it is to donate money to the channel, help keep this thing going. Maybe I'll get a new mic cord that won't cut out in the middle of me talking. That'd be phenomenal. Uh, and then you get your question answered. So uh, here's Tom. He asked, uh, 
Kevon Lee averaged eight and a half yards per carry. Is he as good or even better than Noah Kane? Tom, here's a really interesting thing. I don't think Noah Kane is fully healthy yet. What we've seen of Noah Kane is he's turning into a phenomenal check down back where if he's on the perimeter and there's a guy that he can make miss in the open field, he's typically doing that. He's making those players miss. But if you really think about it and you look at his rushing stats, again, uh, 20 for 69, three and a half yards carry, one touchdown. He's not breaking those tackles in between uh, the offensive line. A lot of what he's doing is on the perimeter. He doesn't seem to have that sort of juice at the point of contact. So I, I still think that some of the issues of him being off his feet for as long as he was, he's still playing his way into form. I don't think that it's that that Kevon Lee is better because there have been he's he's one cut away. Kevon Lee is one cut away most times of making a lot of great runs. He just tries to cut one gap over too far to the backside and ends up either losing yards or gaining one or two. Where again, if he just did what he did in the second half and he ran downhill he would be a much better running back at most times. Uh, but the, And to answer your question, Tom, what happened in the second half was he did do that. Kevon Lee ran downhill into the super light boxes because what we talked about a little bit earlier is that the, the Ball State defense was playing as much as they could to keep Penn State out of the end zone and make him go 10 play drives, 12 play drives, 14 play drives. Now, Penn State obliged and they converted first downs and they were able to get the the machine running to make sure that they could get those drives going but there really wasn't there wasn't a threat of a deep pass at any point and when you take two safeties deep you have a lot of room to run so Kevon Lee was able to hit those runs especially in the second half I mean a lot of that eight and a half yards of carry that came on four runs to start the the second uh, the second half in the third quarter, where he got I think forty seven yards and th- on four straight plays, so it's it's a bit of a hit and miss mixed bag with Kevon Lee. He's trying really hard, and that I think is a side effect of this running back room competition where he knows behind him Devin Ford is is chomping at the bit to get some snaps. Noah Kane is the lead back. And I, I, to me, that's one of the situations I've seen from him is that he's trying to make a home run on every play. And like I said, after the Wisconsin game, he's just not that guy. He's not that guy. He needs to be the guy that runs. I, I don't. He doesn't need to be completely north-south. He doesn't need to be just a guy who blindly runs into the line. But he needs to know he's not going to break to the outside and get 37 yards on a cutback run like guys that we've seen in a Penn State blue and white jersey in the past. Like... That's not going to be his game. So I, I think that he's very good, and it's good that he is is ready and he really wants to play well. But to me, like that's he needs to tone that down a little bit, and he'll be more efficient, and then he'll be much better that way. Um, Phil brings up something that I want to I want to talk about here because really this Ball State game, what I want to know is I want to know key things that are coming through through the first two games, because are you going to take a lot of stuff away from a Ball State game? It's a good team, but they lost 44-13. Phil brings up this question about what's your thought about the lack of production at tight end? And to me, this has been the biggest shocker of this year when it comes to this Penn State offense. I thought that this Penn State team would be much more aggressive with the use of the tight ends. 
Now, there are some things where I think Clifford is missing some throws. And there are some, there are, I, I have a couple of things. I do a film review for Blue White Illustrated. And by the way, if you ever want to check out some of that work, bwi.rivals.com backslash subscribe. I'll have that up on Monday to give you my full thoughts. But there are, there are passes over the middle. And if you're a tight end, that's where you make a lot of those yards is in the flat or over the middle. And the tight ends aren't being targeted there because Sean Clifford doesn't really throw over the middle a whole lot. Like, he doesn't target the center of the field. Some of those RPO throws in the seam, yes. But when it comes to crossing routes, um, unless it's a shallow crosser, he doesn't really throw the ball into that 10-yard window over the linebacker before the safety. That's and, and, and that's where you live if you're a tight end. So those targets aren't there. But when it comes to gaining separation... They're not doing it. Like they're they're I've been super unimpressed with their ability to create separation so far. And that comes down to their route running. Uh, I think Bretton Strange hasn't taken a step forward as a route runner. He he's a former receiver, so we know he can run routes. Like he's not it's not an incapability there, but he's he's rounding a lot of things. He's giving the defense kind of a head start by showing him where he's going with his routes. And and Theo Johnson, he hasn't really been able to take that transition and become more efficient with it. He's six foot six, so it's never going to be like perfect. It's never going to be great, but none of them right now, and Tyler Warren really hasn't had a lot of opportunities, but none of them are creating opportunities for themselves. So to me, it's it's a two-part thing of the way that the offense operates with the quarterback, and then when it comes to the the their inability to get separation. Uh, as run blockers, I thought they did some good things, but they're not a dominant force on this team either. They're they're much they're very much pass catching tight ends that have the size to be good at run blocking. But I don't think there's even a Pat Fryermuth in this group right now of guys that are going to be difference makers. The guys that we talk about as good pass blockers. So that's I think a bit of a disappointment here. The other thing that I found interesting is, and this kind of goes back to the ability of Ball State to not bite on anything. Penn State's running a lot of screens. A lot. I, I when I was doing some prep on what Mike Yersich likes to do, I was focusing on the high rate of deep balls that his quarterbacks throw over time. And those those schemed up shots to the middle of the field. That's what is what won Penn State the game last week and what they couldn't really get this week. But when they're not throwing the ball deep, they are throwing screen after screen after screen. And the one to Jahan Dotson broke and he was able to get a touchdown. Great block. As much as I was I was given uh Juice Scruggs a little bit of grief for not being in line super great once again he gets out on a screen and it's really fun to watch that dude can run so that was it that was good um and you can get some plays out of there but i think it does kind of reduce the efficiency of the offense if you're continually going to that well and mike yersich has dialed that up a lot one of his favorite things to do is to motion either parker washington or Jahan dotson to from one side of the field to the other and try to change the math and hit with a quick hitting screen eventually they're going to have to play off of that to do something else. And and they have. They've done a couple of those plays where you fake it and then the, the, the lead blocking receiver goes up the field. Ball State didn't bite on any of that, so there wasn't any of that to hit. But eventually teams are going to figure that out and they're not going to fall for those things. I, I thought last week in the second half of the game they did a better job of using the field, the long side of the field, and getting into space. 
They didn't do that as much this week, but a lot of that came down to the fact that Ball State had a lot of defenders in the flat and run the ball where they're not, which was in the middle of the field. They didn't they didn't have linebackers in the middle of the field, so Penn State took advantage of that. And again, that's how you get 240. Um, you get 240 yards rushing. Let's get a uh, let's get another question in here. We have um, Zach. He's asking kind of the same thing when it comes to what we just talked about with the tight ends. Everyone's really worried about the tight ends, and I I think you should be because this group is a part of the equation for opening up the offense. Because you saw Cam Sullivan-Brown is a good receiver to catch something over the middle. Parker Washington, holy cow. Like, I've really been excited for him since I saw his freshman, or his, his senior season tape in high school. But his hands are awesome. Two of those fingertip catch that, that he got changed the kind of mathematics of a couple of drives where they were able to get down into the red zone because he kept a couple drives alive on third down. So he's a huge part of that. But you look at the targets, Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington, uh, both of them have seven targets. Right after that, it's Noah Kane with five. The tight ends, Theo Johnson had two, and one of them was in the uh, was in the one where you were already getting up to go find your remote part of the game. The part where half the, the, the crowd is already outside tailgating again. They didn't even see him get that 23-yard touchdown from Taquan Roberson. So that's that's um, that's a little concerning, but this is one of those things that we thought might be a part of this when it came to Mike Yursich and his ability to use those guys within what he does. Now, he's obviously augmented his system because I don't remember a single three tight end set when I was watching the Oklahoma State film. So he's augmented what he does to use his talent, but when it comes to the concepts that he's running, they're relatively the same. So you've got your tight ends running up the seams. You've got in the middle of the defense, right up, you know, the yard markers. And they, they haven't created separation there. So it, it that is, I think, a bit of a concerning thing. But to me, the most concerning thing is that Sean Clifford isn't hitting some of those deep balls because Keandre Lambert-Smith, if you can stomach the drops, has become a phenomenal addition to this receiving core where he is playing with more confidence. His route running is better. He's creating that separation that those tight ends aren't. And you've just got to get the ball to him. There were two great opportunities to kind of put the game away early. And, and Sean Clifford just kind of missed those throws. And, and that kind of, uh, that's what we're talking about here. Clifford's still a problem. The weakest link, the Penn state offense. I, I his IQ is not the issue. But the accuracy is a problem. Um, and, and if this last line here, you're stuck with him. Yes, because, you know, you've seen two career throws now from Taquan Roberson today. That was it. People have been asking me, what does Taquan Roberson look like? Well, there you go. That's what he looks like. Um, so you, you are stuck with Sean Clifford at the quarterback position. One of the things that I noticed in this game kind of watching some replays and watching some review at halftime, he does lock on to his first target quite a bit. He does when he wants something. There was an RPO where Parker Washington was trying to work open against the slot receiver and the linebackers dropped. And and if you're if you're running an RPO, the, the idea is you're drawing everyone up forward and there are these big windows behind the linebackers where your receiver can just run free as long as they're fast enough to run away from man coverage. 
The problem was it wasn't there. And he didn't come off of that he didn't come off of that read. So when he didn't come off that read and there's pressure, that's when you get a sack. Because the offensive line is not set up to pass block when you come off of that. You have to make a quick decision with that ball, and, and he didn't. He he locked onto that target. He tried to scramble out the side of the pocket and was sacked. So there's still some of those plays where he's making the conservative decision. And that is obviously the biggest difference between last year and this year is he's being much more conservative with the football. And it leads to efficient nights. Again, like 21 of 29. And I'll, I'll bring up his... um his uh, throw comparison because he when he gets hot, he doesn't have as many problems with accuracy, but uh, he completed, I think, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight passes. So that's good. Like, if you want efficiency, you want a guy who's going to hit those passes, that's that's what you're going to get. Yeah, and, and Michael says there's no other option. You've got to embrace this. And that's the, so I, I, <laughs> I understand your frustration because, and I was saying to my wife while we're watching the game, I'm like, I've been telling people that you've got to embrace this. This is what you have this year. A guy who is not going to make a ton of obvious mistakes. He's not going to throw the ball into triple coverage anymore. I think he's shown that through three game or through two games so far, but he's not going to hit those. He's not going to hit those plays consistently, at least not yet. And, you know, there's close-ups of him in the pocket and there's close-ups. And, you know, I've, I've talked a lot in the past about footwork and QB accuracy and it's all tied to your legs. And for him, it's a mess. And it, it isn't great. But this is the thing of, like, eventually we got to move on. we gotta, we got to progress the story because he's a fifth-year player now. That's not changing. And I don't know if this is even the appropriate avenue or time to talk about his flaws when they just won this game 44-13, to and they looked good doing it. So that's the biggest thing is large parts of the offense worked today in Game 2. And if large parts of the offense work next week, you're going you're going to be very happy about that. Now it's a it's a very different test when it comes to Auburn than it is um what it is against Ball State. But we've seen this offense can operate against strong front sevens that have good pass rush. They they can find those things uh in the secondary and he can and Sean Clifford can hit some of those things. So in that situation looking ahead to that 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 Auburn game next week you can't say that you can't win a game with Sean Clifford. It's just, are you going to hit a high enough percentage of those big-time throws down the field to be able to to get that win, to be able to put up 25 to 30 points against a very good um, Auburn defense? And by the way, we don't know anything about Auburn at this point because they played Akron and uh, Alabama State. And by the way, I was watching that game before the Penn State game today, and I'm I don't that offense is not particularly impressive at the moment. They don't have a ton of really good receivers. They had a lot of drops. Bo Nix is the Sean Clifford of the SEC. The exact like you can copy and paste everything I just said about Sean Clifford over to Bo Nix. So that game is going to be super interesting <laughs> as to what we're going to get out of two great defenses. And two quarterbacks that that struggle to be consistent with the football. So it's a very even playing field for that pivotal third game in Penn State's schedule. But coming out of this game, what you wanted to see was if the Ball State defense gave you something, could you take advantage of it? And the answer is yes. 
48 carries, 240 yards, five yards a pop. You got what you wanted on the ground. Your two big running backs had good days, even if Noah Kane didn't have the best day. But I think if you even throw in his, his three receptions for 30 yards, he's becoming invaluable in that area. He's becoming a very good um, check down or, or second or third option on a play. And by the way, as much as we gave Kirk Shiraka problems for... There are only two receivers in the pattern. Max protect, throw the ball deep. You have two options on a play. There was a lot of that today. And there was a that. So if there are some plays where you've got two guys running into four deep coverage, unless you have Calvin Johnson, you're probably not going to find a good option to throw to in two on four. Noah Kane, when he leaks out of the backfield, he needs to stop hitting the offensive lineman when he's chip blocking. But after that, he's a really good uh, pass-catching running back who can make the first defender miss out in space when he has a little more elusiveness. The power is not quite back yet there with Noah Kane. Uh, by the way, we're talking here on the BWI Live Show. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Penn State won 44-13 over Ball State, and we're putting a bow on that today. We'll take a quick look ahead at Auburn. Uh, but one of the things we're doing is we got the chat active right now over here on YouTube, so if you want to throw in your comment, Absolutely, we can do that. The other thing, if you'd like to, is uh, we've enabled something called Super Chats. And Super Chats is where you donate to the channel here uh, however much you want. Two bucks, a dollar, 30 cents. I don't know. I don't know if you I don't know if you can do 30 cents. I, don't, I think you might have to do it in dollar increments. But if you want to, you can give us a little donation, and then your question will go into the Super Chat box, and I'll answer it. It'll go right up. It'll be a priority question that we'll get to. I see we've got a bunch of guys uh, in the chat right now talking, so we'll go over to some of those right now. Um, you have um, Zach talking about next week. I think this is a really good point, where Auburn's strength is their running game, Um I don't know that this... I, I wouldn't say that right now the, the running game is Penn State's strength because I, I, you very much did not get that in the Wisconsin game. You got that today by design. That is what you were getting from Ball State, playing two high safeties, literally at times one linebacker and three down linemen. I don't know that... I don't know I've ever seen that where you literally have four guys in the in the box. You don't even at that point, you don't have enough players to pl to plug every gap in the gap system. So, you're hoping that one of your guys up front is going to win his double team and they kind of did. Penn State's offensive line, they were running hot and cold a lot in this game where there were some really good blocks early and and Brenton Strange had a couple good blocks to spring uh for the touchdown uh, Devin Ford, I think, was uh, when he got down to the one-yard line. There are some good blocks out there, but for the most part, they, they really haven't gelled yet. There's some missed assignments and some guys that are just getting beat, and, and that's going to continue because the strength of Auburn is their front four, five down linemen. They are really quick. They are really strong. They are really aggressive and confident. So that's going to be an interesting situation to see how Penn State's offensive line matches up against another tough test because that's that's you got two of the first three weeks. One of the things that you were hoping for is that you would see a step forward from this Penn State offensive line, and it's been mixed results so far, although they did play well enough, I guess, as pass blockers to, uh, to win that Wisconsin game. Somebody mentioned in the chat Tyler Rudolph. Uh, Andrew. Andrew talking about uh, Tyler Rudolph. Pull it up here for you. Um, another targeting violation. 
do you, do I think it warranted the call? That one I do. I didn't think Ellis Brooks did, but um, that one he led with his head. He led with not even the crown, not even the forehead. He led with the top of his head. And that's just one thing you can't do. You just can't do that. Now, I did see in the Ohio State game, Noah Sewell led with the top of his head, and he was not ejected. So it's all up to the purview of the of the of the crew that's on the field that day. But yeah, and it brings up a really rough situation for Penn State because you think about this this safety rotation right now. We didn't see a lot of Jaquan Brisker today. I know he wasn't. There's no injury report, but he wasn't listed on the injury report. Um, he was available for the media this week. It was acting like he was healthy. But he didn't play a lot. Like, if you see the PFF snap counts, they'll come up, bwi.rivals.com. We do that every Sunday, and then they're adjusted as it's all filtered down and everything like that. If you check those out, he didn't play a lot this week. Obviously, you want to rest up your best player for your biggest game uh, next week in the whiteout. But now, Keaton Ellis is MIA. Tyler Rudolph isn't playing the first half. Jaquan Brisker isn't super healthy like even if he is healthy enough to play he's not you're never coming out of a game where you left the field three or four times that you're not fine after that I think he's gonna that's gonna be an interesting situation because Auburn does like to run the football and if that that shoulder is still a problem for Jaquan Brisker he was used primarily in the second half of that Wisconsin game in passing situations Jonathan Sutherland came in and played against the run you're going to get a lot of running situations. I don't know what Jaquan Brisker is going to be able to do if that shoulder hasn't healed yet. And hopefully this game bought him enough time so we can see what he's like on the field. Because, you know, Penn State fan or not, you want to see the best players play in the biggest games. And that would be a bummer if Jaquan Brisker wasn't reasonably healthy to play in that game. Because he is a force in the in the running game. He is a force as a coverage player. So him healthy and that situation at safety. Now you're down to Jonathan Sutherland and Jair Brown as your two primary safeties that are healthy, that are, that are, you know, that we've seen play consistently. I don't want to play up too much Jaquan Brisker because I genuinely don't know, but based on the way he was used, I, I, I'm kind of questioning whether or not that, you know, what the situation is there. And without Tyler Rudolph, who also, he got kind of lucky where he, he got rolled up on. He could have had a, a, a knee problem coming out of this game, but he was able to come back. Now he's missing in the first half of that game. So Penn State probably felt good about their depth in, in the secondary with Tyler Rudolph playing well in training camp and being that fourth guy to come in in certain situations. Now it's pretty thin. It's pretty thin back there. So who's going to be the safety that comes up into the rotation in the first half next week? So that is something to monitor going forward. Um, and again, it's Bo Nix at least. So you're not going to be going up against a great quarterback, but Bo Nix in rhythm can still hit you, uh, for a lot of yards and can, and throw the ball accurately enough to go get yards. And that's going to be the tale of next week is which quarterback can throw enough accurate passes that their team wins the game. Um, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I really have no clue because both of them have struggled to do that uh, throughout their careers, especially with Bo Nix. I mean, I, I I was a bit of a hater on him too much early in his career because he was a freshman starting, but he never really got any better. Um, so that's going to be an interesting thing to look forward to is how Penn State does in the secondary, which was their strength. But this is why you want to have as many 
deep parts of your team as possible because just like running back last year, injuries can eat away at that really quickly. Uh, BWI Live, we're going to go uh, along here for a little bit longer and then we're going to wrap it up today uh, because Penn State against Ball State, they did what they were supposed to. They were able to take care of business. Uh, and to me, the story of this game was the third quarter for the Penn State defense, three and out, interception return for a touchdown, three and out, interception, and then uh, turnover on downs the next two plays. Um, coming into this game, one of the things I talked about for the Ball State offense was Justin Hall had to be a big part of it. Catch and run. Hope you get missed tackles. He's a good athlete. He he might even have a chance to play in the NFL, but there is, none of the Penn State starting secondary, like he's not be a better athlete than any of them. So when he started dropping the ball, three drops in the game, he didn't have a target, I don't think, in the third quarter. That's kind of the story for the Ball State offense. Their guys had to play perfect, and they and they didn't. And, and that kind of was the end of that. One last thing I want to point out is um, Jesse Lucada. He is a really good defensive end. He is a really, really good defensive end. That play, I don't know what it is about. He has to have somebody in his face in order for him to see clearly where he makes great plays like that. I don't know that he could have made that interception as a linebacker if he had tried. His ability to play and drop in coverage in spots and zones from the defensive end position is going to be a game changer for Penn State. The length, the athleticism, the explosiveness from that position. He's a run defender. He can drop in coverage and whatever he gives as a pass rusher. And as that develops, I think that that is going to be a really good combination for Penn State football. We're going to wrap things up here on BWI Live. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We will be back on Monday. The BWI Daily Edition will hit in the morning, and then we're doing another post-wrap-up uh, of Penn State Ball State, taking a look ahead at the matchup, the big one. It is a whiteout game next weekend, one week from today at about this time, Penn State versus Auburn. The biggest game of their season until the next game of their season. So for the BWI Live, I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We'll be back next week, and Tom Hannafin will be joining me again. He was off this week. Uh, he'll be back for that show. So join us again right here on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel.